0: Hey everyone, welcome to Beyond the Dance Floor podcast, a place to learn more about what goes on beyond what you see on the dance floor about mentality, history, and how the skills you learn in breaking or the arts in general, can apply more broadly to the rest of your life. Today we talk with Joe Rock of the legendary Massive Monkeys out of Seattle, Washington. Joe's always been one of the people that I've respected within the community for his dedication to quality and community-oriented events. He's one of the people responsible for one of my favorite jams in the world that I've ever been to, Massive Monkey Day as well as an integral part to silverback open in the pro breaking tour and has always been someone who's just been about pushing breaking forward. We talk about his personal history and getting into breaking and hip hop, living in the massive monkey house, the concept of a real crew, true in the moment expression and freedom in the dance, involving the community and the role of a host at a jam and more. An absolute pleasure to talk with Joe about these things and I hope you all enjoy it too peace all right we're here with joe rock from massive monkeys um really huge pleasure to have you because yeah you're one of the guys that has really inspired me as far as like doing interesting things within the community like event promotion event planning that kind of thing and just like yeah, being a voice a reasonable voice within the community <laughs> um yeah so happy to have you here yeah, man. I'm, I'm stoked to be here. It's a pleasure. Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't really, who might not know who you are, do you mind doing just a little background information on yourself?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'll give you the, the mercifully short, self-aggrandizing <laughs> background here. Uh, I grew up in a little farm town of less than a thousand people called North Plains, Oregon. Uh, the population's a lot bigger now, but at the time, you know, there's basically nobody there. I'm an 80s baby. And uh, I grew up listening to hip hop. My oldest brother, uh, I have a kind of Brady Bunch family. Like my my dad had kids from a previous marriage and so did my mom. But my mom's kid lived with us and the other brothers didn't. Um, so my mom's son, who was my brother, half brother, uh, used to listen to heavy metal all the time and like smoke weed and build his Camaro. And my friends in this little farm town brought me a tape and on one side was like, nwa straight out of compton on the other side was two live crew nasty as they want to be and it was like all my whole life all i'd ever heard was like heavy metal and like my mom was like rod stewart and tina turner you know so when i <laughs> when i found hip-hop it was like it was like oh it was like a really distinct moment you know like the clouds parted and it was like this was this is for you you know and uh eventually i got into like what i'll just call quote unquote real hip-hop i got really into like west coast gangster rap for a long time you know, I started off emceeing and uh, anyway, I, I, I sort of didn't really find like, like the real deep culture of hip hop until uh, 96 and I started DJing and then in 97 I started breaking. Um, eventually I left Oregon and I moved to Seattle in 2000, end of 2000, beginning of 2001. Uh, at the time I was like traveling back and forth between Portland and Seattle every weekend of train. Uh, and I had a bunch of friends in, two, you know, dance rooms from Tacoma and Massive Monkeys from Seattle. And uh, yeah, I was basically staying on the couch with my boy, Tim, Tim the Pit. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so then eventually uh, Juice Boogie called me. He's like, hey, we're getting a house. Do you want to move in? I like just graduated high school, I was, like 17. I graduated like a little early. And I literally packed bags and left that same day Got the phone, hung up the call. I just packed my bags and bounced. And then I moved into like, Like the massive monkey house in seattle and i got down with massive monkeys about a year later and then you know everything's kind of a blur from there you know we won our first world title in 2004 the mayor gave us our own day and i thought wouldn't it be nice if we had an event to commemorate this dope moment in hip-hop history you know no breaking crew in america had ever had a a kind of a, a mayor give them their own day before so i was like we should celebrate this but we shouldn't make it about us we should make it about like celebrating hip hop and the spirit of, of our sort of elders and what allowed us to even get to that point in the first place. And then, you know, I threw Massive Monkey Day for 15 years straight. And uh, also uh, somewhere along that lines was managing the pro breaking tour. So had a hand in producing, you know, 40 or 50 events a year across North America, including Silverback Open, which might be you know the biggest budget breaking event in history yeah yeah <laughs> and uh and yeah. i even got a chance to produce the uh, north american qualifier for the youth olympic games a couple years back which was super interesting yeah. and um yeah and then more recently you know i i'm an entrepreneur and i have a whole other career and business that we maybe we can get into that maybe we won't but that's kind of my hip-hop background if you will yeah man that was like yeah, a nice little intro on all
0: the different things that i kind of want to touch on with in oh, the talk. okay you. great <laughs> yeah um man way to start Okay. Well, why don't we start with, I was always kind of curious, like you mentioned the massive monkey house. What was that kind of experience like, or yeah.
1: Yeah. It was really dope. Like the, the, the guys actually got together in a house before that. It was like the 1.0 version of the house. I mean, it was like, it was, and that's where I was like, I would come on the weekends and we like hang out there with those guys and practice a little bit. Um, But it was super fun. It was like, you know, I, I didn't go to college. So I just skipped college. I was like, I'm gonna throw events and be a b-boy and just mm. pursue with that as hard as I could. And uh that's what I did. And so, you know, I got to hang out with with uh with massive monkeys, you know, and I grew up watching VHS tapes of like boss crew and USM, which became you know half of Massive Monkeys and watching Massive Crew and all those guys. So for them to be my friends and to like move in with them, the whole thing was just really surreal for me, you know, it was like. They're my boys, but I was like a fan and I really looked up to everybody. Um, so couple all of that with us being young in our early 20s and really kind of coming of age and all the things that come with that, you know, like partying, kind of finding our our identity as men, young men, you know, through the the, the dance and just like bonding. And uh, really, I was just honored. You know, I felt like when Massive Monkeys came together in 99, it was like a big deal for, for Seattle, you know, and. They went to freestyle session and had a big moment. And I just was fortunate enough to also be there hanging out with Mm -hmm. them at the time. Mm -hmm. So to get down with the crew later, you know, it was, it was felt like like and to be in that house. It was, it was really dope, you know, like a lot of crazy things happened in the massive monkey house, you know, like (laughs) crazy crazy things like, you know, uh, everything from memorable parties to fighting each other, you know, Mm -hmm. to, I was standing in the living room, watching an old crappy ass tv and seeing the planes hit the towers on 9 11 you know it was a lot of like rich history there um you know funny crazy stories good things bad things sad things you know it was was like the full range of life Mm -hmm. but it was really dope it felt like felt like we were a part of something bigger than ourselves and even though like breaking was this still you know uh it was still at the time you know breaking still felt like the Pacific Northwest had a style, Cali had a style, sorry, the Bay had a style, SoCal had a style, Florida had a style, New York had a style. Everything wasn't really like amalgamated into like the same kind of the way that it is today. We can talk about that later. Yeah. yeah. But we felt really good. Like our our crew was like, we were like our own thing, but also like, we were just like finding our way. So it, it felt really dope to experience that, to be honest, man. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that. For anything in the world I I imagine like when you know if you live like a normal life or whatever and you went to college and you got in like a frat or something it it maybe was like that but way doper like way more hip-hop and (laughs) like like we were making our own clothes and partying and like it felt like we lived in this like untouchable world but we all all had our real deep insecurities you know as young humans but but we just had each other and man it was dude, it was like the beginning of something incredible. So I, I it's really tough to put words to it, it, it but it was dope. I mean, we, it was dope. We had our our moments of like not getting along, but we always figured it out. And it was yeah, kind of like yeah. the beginning of this, like, you know, everyone thinks of Massive Monkeys as a family and that it was really kind of the genesis of the next chapter of all that. For me, from my perspective, if you were in the crew from like 99 on, maybe, maybe it was different. But for me, it was like, that's how I saw it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like uh,
0: when I was coming up and just, getting to know about massive monkeys like and just getting to know about breaking culture and what what have you like there's always that idea of the crew crew is family crew is like those are your people right you like yeah. you you live live and die for them kind of thing right and massive yeah. monkeys is always one of those crews that really kind of embodied that i guess on and off the dance floor like you guys when you were in competitions and stuff you guys were like a unit but off the floor, like, you know, you guys literally live to get a lot of you guys live together. Yeah. So, yeah, it was,
1: yeah, it was, it was dope, man. Like what's funny is like that didn't feel special at the time. Mm. I felt like that's what crews do. Yeah. Yeah. Like the crew that I was in before that IRS, you know, like bless one and, and Tim and myself and some other guys that you may or may not know we treated it sort of the same way. Like we were all super close, we hung out all the time. We battled, we didn't live together because we were a little bit younger, but like it, it just felt like that's how crews were, but there, there was something really special about massive monkeys. And even more importantly than that uh, it lasted a long time. And where, where the whole scene shifted into this like super crew, you know, almost like coming together to win uh, mentality. And by the way, I don't want to make anyone wrong for that. I'm not even passing judgment. I'm not trying to say it's better to be a crew and authentic. I don't even give a shit. At this point, at this point in my life, looking back, I don't care. At the time, I thought, you know, that was whack and we were doing the right thing. But what was happening in the scene was a lot of people were forming up to, you know, actual, the the crew, super crew would be the perfect example. But even, you know, if you look at freestyle session on the boat in 2004, Mm -hmm. you look at all the crews that came, all of those crews that made it, Bar were all super crews yeah, yeah even the east coast crews like the skill methods and like everybody like really jammed it all together and even california they became a crew but they were the epitome of the super crew yeah right yeah. and so like it just felt like as the scene changed we really held on to this idea of crew as family you know like legit family like once you're in you're in there's only like mm. a couple people that ever really got out of massive monkeys and that was their choice mm-hmm. so like it, it be, what I'm saying is it didn't start off like, hey, this is we're doing something unique here. That's just how crews were. We just yeah, stuck yeah. that way. We just stayed that way, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think that's just something that maybe in these in the modern time is even the idea of like crews is kind of sort of died out a bit, at least in like that traditional kind of sense. Like, yeah, I don't even remember the last time the I really area. saw like crew battles or anything
1: like that it's pretty rare it's rare and from a competition perspective it's kind of whack because the crews are whack the 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 crew is the concept of the crew is really falling apart Mm. but there are like super crews that get together and they act like family and they train and they go through these experiences now where it feels like family and if they do that long enough it just becomes crew yeah. Like I think yeah. about like the monster energy crew, mm-hmm. you know, like those guys are a super crew, but you know, at this point they're just a crew. Like they fly, they train, they live in the same house together. They really take it seriously. They really, really train hard, you know, and um, they, they probably feel like a crew. So I feel like it'd be unfair for me. Like, yo, no, you guys aren't a real crew, but yeah. like yeah. they are now. And so like just that whole concept of today of just crew it's like the reasons why you get together are different but if you stick together long enough the outcome is kind of kind of the same but not really
0: yeah like i've talked about this with some other people too it's just it's like a different time you know the the kind of traditional sense of the crew it grew out of a time where it was like whoever was in your local area and and those are the people that you met up with but now it's like people are traveling so much and and there's so much like connection through just like stuff like social media, and you and you can stay connected with people that way or whatever. And um, it's just a, kind of different. And like you said, you know, it might not be the same as it was back then, but the idea of like people still being close, even though they're from like different
1: areas or something like that, can still happen. It's just maybe not exactly the same, but yeah. Well, if you think about it, the 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 history of hip hop is steeped in people coming from the hood and the projects and not being able to travel and coming out of gangs and really difficult. So the mental model, the hip hop was born in Mm -hmm. was really like gangs and the biker culture and these kinds of things. Right. So like, that's, it makes sense. Like in that Mm -hmm. sense of it's a gang or like a bike crew or whatever, like, I get it. That's why it feels like crew forever but like as a species we've like evolved from like yeah. the need for physical safety to now we're like re- really concerned with like psychological safety which is why we have all these like cancel culture things going on that's a whole separate topic but like b-boys are human b-boys and b-girls are humans too so like you know we we there's zero b-boys that are active in the competitive scene that you know grew up in that exact yeah. archetype of yeah. society right so like it makes sense like we've got a lot more freedoms it, mm-hmm. you know b-boys and b-girls start with the expectation once they start taking it seriously that they're going to fly and they're going to travel and they're going to mm-hmm. compete i didn't start with that expectation yeah yeah i was like <laughs> yo i just want to learn the windmill. and it'd be <laughs> dope if like i could like ever break in front of like easy rock and have him give clap for me like you know whatever like <laughs> these are the thoughts that are going through my head when i started breaking you know but but i never thought like oh you know what i'm gonna fly and i'm gonna compete and we didn't even call it training when we when I first started. I don't know if that was the same for you, but like we just called it practice. Yeah. And yeah. then I remember like, like my boy Prism from Ground Zero, he lived in, in Oregon and we started, he's like, hey, you want to come over to my house and train? And he would talk about it like we were getting ready for a fight or like we were mm-hmm. Olympians and we we're going into battle. And I was like, it was a different mentality. I was like, yo, all right, yeah, let's go train. Now people <laughs> talk about training. It's just a word. There's like a verb that everybody uses. But back then it was like, we're just going to go practice. You want to come practice? Like, yeah, cool. Like, you know, but nowadays I feel like there's less hobbyists and more people that are like just coming for to be the best and really getting a head start and and having access to things that we just didn't in the mindsets. Dude, it's totally different. Yeah. So the whole reason I'm saying this is like, I think I still think it's dope. Like, I don't I don't want to pass judgment. I don't want to be the old guy that's like, yo, mm-hmm. that's whack because it wasn't like the way it was when I grew up. But like, that's irrelevant. That's their mm-hmm. experience. You know, I mm-hmm. had mine. So I feel like a lot of, you meet a lot of these like older guys that are salty, like I don't got time for that. I just want to celebrate our culture. I'm glad people are still doing this.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, people, I don't know if it's a thing in like modern times, because you know, you see it everywhere, not just breaking, but like people have a really like binary way of thinking it's got to be this way or that way. And you know like the olympics is a good example people were like that's you know you destroy you're killing the culture this is not the way you shouldn't do it and it's like well why don't you let people do that and then also have this other thing that you do like whatever you want to keep it real or whatever okay do it like you have that there's that pocket and this pocket and this pocket and
1: whatever when you, when you ask the people that, that don't support this movement into the olympics and think it's going to ruin the culture when you ask them well what way should the culture be mm. You know it's like they all give you an idealized answer that doesn't exist mm. it's not like that now like that's already done yeah yeah you know what i mean like so like even if we didn't do the olympics that's already not the reality that are you know our, we live in mm-hmm. there's not really you know, when you really get behind it it's like there's isn't that much difference same people are going to be throwing the events roughly the same rules the judging system's already been created and tested and it's still being used in competitions right now that even aren't sanctioned by the Olympics. Is there potential for corruption with money and appropriation of course, but that's the manifest destiny of commercializing anything. But you know, at the end of the day, it's like, yo, like our our culture already, our breaking culture already shed a lot of whatever it is that we started in. When did you start by the way? I started like early,
0: like 2001
1: or something like that. 2001, okay. So that was like, you know, but that wasn't that, that different. 97 was real different but you know mm-hmm. like you, you you were kind of coming in this transitional period but yeah, you can probably yeah. remember what it was like back then mm-hmm. man like all that's done like that stuff is long gone and, yeah. and i'm not here to make either side right or wrong i'm just pointing out the obvious like it's gone <laughs> we lived it it's done it evolves yeah. It, yeah. it evolved and you can pass judgment whether that's good or bad so like obviously i've had some ex some experience and and some Direct involvement with this Olympic stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I believe at this point, like I fully appreciate the multiple perspectives on it. Like, like I probably had those each of those perspectives myself at one point in time. Mm -hmm. But at this point, man, when you really zoom out and just like look at it from a human perspective, like let's stop looking at it like hip hoppers and b boys for a second, because that's a really like myopic. we're, We're a little too zoomed in sometimes, and just be like, some kid gets to train. And get a gold medal and get paid for that and how proud is that person's family going to be yeah you know it's cool I mean? thing. like what is that what is that going to do for that kid it's not even about us it's not even about the culture it's about these kids dude like yeah. that's amazing that is amazing like yeah. I, I don't know it makes me smile it makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up because like you know i got a two-year-old son like he might be able to be an olympian b-boy olympian right yeah um so anyway that that makes me super excited and after like a couple of years being behind the scenes and helping and then going away and then getting dragged back in a little bit like that's kind of my my current perspective on the matter
0: yeah yeah but uh yeah i just i I always think like you know if you just look at it from like a human perspective like we're successful as a species because of how like adaptable and and like the variety of things that we can do and 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 yeah so why wouldn't it be the same with like say we're doing breaking like why does it have to be one way or the other you know why can't you have a variety of kinds of events there can be super hyper competitive stuff and super chill party vibes and some that are kind of in the middle or whatever and some are big and some are small and like you kind of need all of it together to to have it kind of thrive right
1: yeah and that's that's you said it man like we evolution requires adaptation and variability yeah things got to be different but what's beautiful about it is like we can you can go produce an event you can go yeah. do an event and you can yeah. do the event exactly how you want it yeah like right now you can you can literally go do an event and do it exactly how you want it and what's crazy is the people that love to do events and that actually go do the events you get off the internet and you stop typing and you just Mm. go connect yeah and like and if that event has whether on the stage or in the competition or in the cypher like five minutes of free expression through our dance in the purest form then it was worth it yeah and when you experience that as the promoter or the MC or the participant or the crowd there is nothing like that there's zero things like that on the planet. And it's special, especially whether it's going to be with a gold medal at the end or a cypher or whatever, like it's dope. Like Mm -hmm. it's super dope. What we do is incredible. And I think like, sometimes we get so at each other, especially on the internet that we forget how dope hip hop and breaking is in real life. It's like just amazing. It's the most amazing thing. Yeah.
0: It's kind of a weird time now. You know, a lot of people are still at home and and kind of, Events are very few and far between, so it's it's kind of hard to have those moments where you come together with a bunch of people and have those. I don't know. I always think of it like these sort of semi spiritual experiences where you you stop being you and you kind of just like disappear into this like sea of people or whatever or this circle and uh, that kind of thing. Um,
1: yeah, but what you just said is like an evolved mindset. That's like something you earn, you earn, you know, some people start with that, but you know, when you first start, it's like, I just want to go show off. You're like a little, what did, what did, uh, I was in Singapore one time and bounce was talking about this. He was talking about like describing the, the minds, it's like the piranha mindset. It's like sharks and piranhas, right? Yeah. Anything that goes in the water, it's just like, they just attack, you know, it's like, those people aren't in, in that state and I'm not here to make that state wrong. Like, yo, that's what's dope about our dances. It's a, it's a channel for that energy. But in that state, you aren't experiencing what you just alluded to. You aren't experiencing this out of body, Holy spirit, lose yourself, like connect to the ether, whatever words don't really do it justice. But what you were talking about, I know, because I felt it too. And I, I don't think that's the same state for these people that are like, I can't yeah, wait to yes. smoke somebody in the cypher. Yeah, yeah, It's different. Cause it's not, a, it's not about smoking anybody. It's about connecting with the music and therefore connecting with everybody. It's a, it is like the exact opposite state of mind and energy. So like, I'll just, I just want to point that out. Cause I don't, I don't think a lot of dancers, like they haven't graduated to that level yet, but the minute they taste it, it's like, it's really like, it changes you that when I talk about breaking and hip hop and all these things with all this reverence, like I'm, I'm contemplating these moments mm-hmm. where you get in the cypher and you let go and like, life doesn't exist. It's like instant flow state. And it, you know, you're not really worried. Like, am I going to execute the moves or, Mm -hmm. or like you're just free of judgment and you're, you know, it takes a certain level of confidence and skill to go out and like move your body the way you want to, to the music real time and to tap into all that. So I like to think about that as like, you earn the right to get there as a dancer and you could see, you could look back and see some people woke up faster, if you will, to these things, you know, like, I remember like juice and our crew had a real like, Specific style, Uh, you know, he was doing like inverts and the and the uh, juice flare and the head cart wheel and these are like really like punctual, powerful kind of style, but but powerful movements. And then like around 2001, 2002, I remember he was like in our house, and every day he would like stretch, he like smoke a little weed and stretch, and he started locking, you know. And then and then he started because at the time his girlfriend was locking too, and then he started really like changing his style, And Mm. and I remember. I didn't understand at the time, but he was already free. Like he was already mm-hmm. experiencing this tapped into thing like in 2002 and I didn't get it because I didn't understand it, you know? And it was kind of like when people look at remind, you know, look at Arista and they like, you know, like that guy, like every time he thinks about like touching the floor, like he's in that state, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, I didn't get that, but he was early. There's just people that were early. If you look back on footage, you're like, Oh man, he got it that guy was free or that girl was free, you know? So yeah. anyway, I just want to point that out. I don't, I don't know. Everybody understands what we're talking about here, but
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: but uh, I don't
0: know. And I don't know if that's maybe like a difference in mentalities of various scenes or even the West coast sort of East coast kind of thing, or I don't know, whatever, but uh, it's just like, and thinking about my own personal experience, like, you know, my, my dad is like a, super buddhist kind of dude and i grew up with a lot of like buddhist kind of things so there's that but also like maybe part of it too is like just growing up in the pacific northwest and you had people like like circle of fire and just going to some events like i remember it was this is one of the times where i like really really felt it that this, this thing that we're talking about and it was like some event that uh it was sort of like a party-ish jam didn't really yeah. have a, had like exhibitions and stuff but um yeah and they had it at like the massive monkey studio and i think that weekend it was like freeze wedding or something like that so there's like all these people from circle of fire in seattle to just chill and they all came to the event and like they had a they had like their own kind of little like circle off to the side or everyone's like doing their own thing with the like a circle of fire like soul shifters kind of circle yeah and i just went over there and checked it out and i was like man you could just feel something like you know just the way that people were dancing and like it's that kind of thing you know you were just talking about like piranhas and and everyone's so hungry to jump in and then a lot of times with those kind of that kind of mentality it's like you're fighting over who's who's in the circle and whatever and in that circle that like soul shifter circle of fire circle it was like everyone was talking with each other without speaking everyone knew it's just you kind of knew who was going in next who was like and even if there were moments where it was like two people kind of went in it's this kind of like this mutual understanding of like oh you know i'm not finished yet and they understand and then they kind of like chill for a bit or they're like oh you want to go and then they they allow themselves to kind of like not be the center of attention anymore it's like oh it's your turn it's your your time now i'm yeah no i'm it, not it's, important anymore like you take you
1: you shine now that no kind of it's thing. dope yeah it's it's different it's it's about contribution and expansion it's not about like grabbing uh, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah i didn't even mention circle fire because i just they were instrumental i think for like i call that waking up like waking up a lot of yeah. my crew you know yeah yeah uh, and and they're just on another planet and they've always been like that. Mm-hmm. They started off free. You know, you look at, I would look at the old, we call them, they call them break wars. These old like break war tapes from Seattle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would see these guys coming out and, uh, you know, they were already doing that. They were doing that to like electric funk music. And, you yeah, know, it was yeah. just, so yeah, no, those guys are big, big shout out to all of them. You know, like mm-hmm. they just really brought that vibe everywhere, you know, really yeah, evangelized yeah. that across the, uh, the world, really. And mm-hmm. I feel like it was almost like they brought that church vibe, mm-hmm. not church, but I know what you mean, spiritual yeah, like, thing, you know, uh, I don't well, know. I don't want to use any words that will disconnect people from the feeling, you know, cause the well, words don't. Exist.
0: Yeah. Like it's a spiritual or like, you know, that, that like moment with God, quote unquote, but yeah. it's like, and I've heard other people talk about it this way. It's like, you know, you're, you're communicating with quote unquote God, but it's like, whatever God like whatever that means to you, whether it's yeah. a, uh, an old man in the sky or like a, somebody with like eight, eight arms or if it's just this thing, this whatever you want to call it, like uh, something bigger than you. And that's it. That's all it is. Some well, like, I think- power. How <laughs> no, of- it is. And, <laughs> and I think so, sorry, like
1: if you take the God analogy out of it, we're really on this point. You can tell we, we care about this, this feeling. Uh, it, it's like you know, when you study humans, you know, we're kind of like the human chimp, you know, it's like we have like similar political structures and social structures when you compare primates and us. But anyway, like when you're doing what we're describing, it's like really transcending like me. Mm -hmm. It's about we, it's about us. It's about this connection. It's about this expression. But, but yet at the same time, it's still about me because I'm in the circle doing me. I'm like, it couldn't be more me in that moment. But inside of being me, it's like super safe and and I'm con- and somehow connected to everybody at the same time in this like really like this we state mm-hmm. it's like you, you can't really fail it feels like a really safe place where like it's one of the few places that like I've felt oh you can't fail here there's like no wrong yeah, you just yeah, gotta yeah. connected to the music like that's it yeah. you know so anyway it's a spe- it's special and I feel like the more the more we can help people experience that I think there's people that are hardcore about the competition that still get that in the competition, yeah, like, for sure. Even competing. So like everybody finds their pathway to this in their own special way. So like, that's what I mean by like, what we do is so amazing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like so unique. I'm sure there's like other dance forms or like tribal versions of expression that are probably like uh, still being practiced that, that do these kinds of things. But dude, like, yeah, yeah. it's it's not hip-hop is so inclusive when you let it be yeah you know when you you let you let it be you know it's like nobody cares just let's come in and yeah anyway yeah no it's super special so yeah so
0: kind of like you know yeah we we kind of honed in on that one thing but it kind of relates to this other thing that I wanted to talk to you about which is I mean it doesn't have to be specifically this event but it was a big event was massive monkey day and I know you had a big part in in making it what it was and 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 making it what it was for all those years right and uh yeah can you talk a little bit about just that event and like your maybe like kind of your mindset into what you
1: wanted it to be or or that kind of thing yeah totally it it was it started off like i said it, it really evolved over time you know like my intentions and the crew's intentions for that event have really evolved as we evolved. And in the beginning, it, it was literally like, I loved throwing events. You know, I did my first event in like 97 and I, I basically have thrown an event every year since 97. 2020 was the first year that I didn't do an event. Um, and, and it was like, let's celebrate this accomplishment, but let's do it in a way that honors like Seattle hip hop culture and bring a lot, bring everyone together and let's just celebrate this whole thing for the whole us. Then it was like, oh, let's do that for the Northwest, you know? And then it started becoming like a place that people really, people respected us. So, you know, we made a DVD and we got brought out a bunch of guys from Florida and, you know, like it it was really, became really evident to me, like, wow, people really respect Massive Monkeys, you know, like, like a lot. And so then the level of competition started getting a little higher. And then eventually we um, started like raising the prize money and making the competition even bigger. Um, And then, and then that really started getting a lot of attention, you know, uh, people from Japan and New York and all over the place were coming out. Um, But it eventually it shifted, you know, it, it it quite honestly became a tool for, it was like, well, one of the few things that brought the crew together in a, in a special way that felt like the old days. Mm. So, you know, from the outside looking in, you'd never know that, Mm. but that was the first source of inspiration. Like I would say after, after ABDC, you know, 2008, 2009, 10, like that's when it really felt like yo, know, this is actually for us hmm. now it's selfish because it gets all of us together and we get to celebrate and you know we give out an award and you know it like is, it, it was dope it was like it those moments at the end of the jam where we were like on the stage ciphering as a crew like that was really like a special thing for us you know uh but also it just evolved you know like the competition became more of a bigger deal a lot more people started coming, you know, we're one of the few hip hop events that ever that has sold out the, the show box. Um, there's two show boxes, but the, the main show box venue um, and that venue's dope. And there's a lot of history there. So um, yeah, it was cool. And just kind of, it just kind of grew into this uh, this, this thing. And then, you know, I think the last three or four years, it became definitely be we start getting a lot of notoriety on the just on the competitive side of it you know you think about the u.s there's like like a half very small handful of events that people talk about and want to attend and massive Monkeys was in that conversation and that felt really dope because that was like same conversation as let's say like a freestyle session which was right you know it was right. mind-boggling to me that we're even in that same discussion you know yeah, uh yeah. But yeah, then you know. But candidly, towards the end, it really felt like I needed to hand this thing off, like and extricate myself a bit. You know, I I moved to LA in 2013, so I've been doing my part of it from from here for a long time. And uh, you know, we transitioned. Now Hossein is producing the event, and obviously, 2020 was going to be the first year that he did it uh, at the helm. You know, kind of leading the whole effort. And uh, 2020. Oh, but we're doing it this year. We're it's happening in September. there's a really big event that has a lot of history in Seattle, which I can't announce because it's not announced yet. That'll happen the weekend before there'll be a camp in the middle. And then, and then there'll be, um, it'll be an event. It's going to be dope. It might even be free. Like it's, we're celebrating. I think it's like the hundred year anniversary of Seattle theater group. So, you know, we have like one of the dopest theater venues in the city. And hopefully by September, everybody's like can travel and come, it's going to be fresh. Like, yeah. And it's going to be dope because I'm going to actually go and not have to produce the event for the first <laughs> time ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice feeling to just
0: go and enjoy it, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> but no, the, the event was special, you know, and like like so many different people had so, many, so much of a hand in, in helping us get where it was, you know. Like in the beginning, we threw it in a cafeteria in, in the University of Washington, Seattle. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think I went to that? one of those. Yeah, that I was mean, the first was, one I went to, yeah. It's like little middle of nowhere, you know. And <laughs> yeah. there's uh, this guy Trevor that does like the activities there, and he just put us on. He just helped us, you know. Like, oh, um, and we've just had these people, these characters, these unsung heroes that have like really helped us, hmm. um, uh, really helped us get into the venues and just get made things happen for us, you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like
0: from my perspective, you know, one of the things that made that event why it's one of my one of my favorite events in you know i'm not like some guy that's traveled all over the place and gone to all the events but i've been to a pretty decent amount of especially the the bigger one i've been to a freestyle session an outbreak outbreak europe and yeah uh, outbreak ibe true. and you know they're all good for their own reasons but massive monkey day like has a a special place because it really it's one of the few jams that in my opinion really has a good balance of like high-level competition that's fun to watch but also kind of like remembering that the dance is not only about the competition and that and it's not only about like ciphers and hardcore b-boy b-girl stuff it's like like i i i always think back there was like i don't know when it was but there was one time where you were you were on the mic and you were talking telling people about like okay, we're going to take a break. And um, people, you know, people are going to start dancing, like, we call them cyphers, or we call them circles, or whatever, I forget how you, the wording you said exactly, but something like that. And you were encouraging the kind of like, non dancers, the general population to like, come in and like, check out this world that, that they might not know about. And like, you know, I guess that's what I'm getting at is, is, yeah. you know, you did a really good job, in my opinion, of, being a host and and
1: welcoming people into this kind of world that they might not know about yeah man thanks for that um it's funny the i started doing this thing like in like 2006 or seven Mm -hmm. where i was like yo make some noise if you've been to massive monkey day before you Mm -hmm. know people would cheer and then i would say "Yo, make some noise if you've never been to massive monkey Mm -hmm. day and i'll be making some noise for all those people because they've never been here and mm-hmm. that's the reason why this is going to be you know kind yeah, of making yeah, that a yeah. whole thing yeah. because and i noticed that like every year like the people that had never been before were just getting louder and louder and louder and louder right and i was like that's a good thing and then it ended up being pretty predictable you know like 50 or 52 percent or something 55 percent just were just people that aren't even from our world they just yeah heard about massive or saw it something and came and you know, I wanted them to feel welcomed Mm -hmm. as part of the experience. And like the whole hosting thing is funny. Like, you know, I started my hip hop adventures as an MC, like I was like freestyling and rhyming. So like producing events in some way, was like my backdoor way to still get on on stage and be on a mic, you know? Um, But I, I really got good at hosting. Um, Well, I got much better at hosting uh, when we went on the warp tour. So like the summer of 2007, you know, I was like, we're doing two shows a day and you know, we did like, I don't know how many cities, but the whole summer. And uh, you know, it was really sterile crowds, like a punk rock show. You really gotta like explain what's going on and sell yeah. to people, get, get, yeah. get, get, get them excited. Not in the way that you would do it if like you were hitting or street mm-hmm. hitting, cause that's a whole different vibe for pulling people and keeping the energy and getting money. Mm-hmm. But like that really like woke me up to like, oh man, you can make this so much of a better experience for mm-hmm. the non-dancers. And then mm-hmm. when they're having a great experience, the dancers are going wild because the crowd is going crazy. Yeah. You yeah. Boys don't cheer that loud. B-boys and B-girls don't cheer that loud for each other. But when, but when, uh, when they do cheer and the, other, and and the other crowd is like having that genuine, like, whoa, reaction, you know, it feels mm-hmm. crazy as a, mm-hmm. as a dancer on the stage. You know, and that was the other thing about Monkey Day that I thought was dope is like, I remember, I remember one year, I was like, maybe f- I can't remember four or five years ago now, uh, Heat Rock from New York was doing a, t- a footwork, battle tiebreaker and he went off on footwork and he was people were cheering for that guy like he he just did like like no a triple backflip or something. <laughs> yeah, like, and I just was like smiling, like this only happens at Massive Monkey Day. This is the yeah, best, yeah. you know, like not, not in like a prideful way, like, oh, we're better than everybody, but I just was like proud moment, you know? Yeah. And so those little things happened a lot and that was super, super special. And, you know, if you've never been to a Massive Monkey Day and you're listening to this, you're like, okay, guys, it's cool, I get it. But I am I want people that hear this to like, my hope would that you would be inspired to, you, you make your version of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah we didn't get that the first few years we were like mm-hmm. this closet like room closet jam for like a while we did it. i did it for 15 years straight like and it wasn't until like the last six or seven years where it was like like something really great happened mm-hmm. so yeah i mean i think if you're a promoter it's a lonely job and it's thankless and it you you know it'll probably go broke you know it's not for people that want to make money mm-hmm. um but if you want to create a dope experience in hip-hop like do it help you hear this and get inspired like this is what's possible. Like imagine yeah. how many people, how many lives we impacted just from doing this jam every year. Like how many people looked forward to like tra- trained for it and got excited. And you know, that's, what's possible. So people hear this and they're like, yo, I want to do that too. I want my version yeah. of that. Whatever, whatever city you're in when people can take off their mask and dance and not be scared about getting sick or whatever. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I think that's, that's a really big thing that, you mentioned like kind of just near the end there that uh, you know as a promoter like you don't do it for money and you're probably gonna go broke but that to me that's kind of one of the the things like massive monkey they did a good job of kind of moving towards the point where maybe you don't have to go broke because you oh, did yeah. like the jam did such a good job of not being so niche that like only b-boys and b girls would be interested in going. It's like you can people would bring their families and stuff. Like yeah, yeah. You know, it's so I saw that with like Massive Monkey Day. I saw it with like IBE, where it's just IBE is like kind of a a different thing. It's just like a giant festival and they take over like a city. IBE
1: IBE and Outbreak have this like there's so many B boys and B girls in Europe and there's such dope youth break culture that keeps yeah. getting yeah. regenerated that like you don't even need spectators there's so many of them and they're yeah. so close yeah. together like, yeah yeah
0: so it's like it part of it is a it's a different sort of like just geography and people are closer together and so it's easier to have these like giant events and stuff but i think when i think back about like massive monkey day or there's been other events too but like you guys did such a good job of just i was thinking about this like community if you want to build community like you got to give people an opportunity to kind of like dip their toe into what this community is and like kind of get an experience of what it is without it being like this wall that that just blocks people off from from what it is right
1: make it too real yeah
0: exactly right
1: well we you know we benefited there's like a halo effect you know, mm. we won two world titles. The mayor of Seattle gave us her own day twice. Um, uh, you know, Bryson started the Beacon. So we really had this like pillar place in the community where a lot of people were getting exposed to what we were up to. And, you know, on, on a regular basis, we did America's Best Dance Crew. Mm-hmm. So like, and then we did all this for like a long time, you know, 20 plus years. So there was like a brand. you know, if you've been around Seattle and you pay attention to hip hop, like massive monkeys was a name you would have heard, you know, and then, and then the crew went and like performed with Macklemore and all over the world. And like, you know, like there's just these little moments where everybody had their part in, in the crew of like taking something on and making that great. And then that would then contribute to what people knew about massive monkeys and making people feel welcomed, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like Anna banana was doing uh, a kid's class like like mini breaks and there's so many parents i you know run into them all the time you know from back in the day that would take their kids to this thing and they you know they just know about massive monkeys because of mini breaks Mm -hmm. then you have the studio and all these other people you know oh i go to the massive monkey studio because there's someone that teaches house and i want to learn how to house dance but then you get exposed to massive monkeys and the name and so when we do the event you know we're really benefiting from all of these little activities that are happening all throughout the year so that's why i felt i think like community and that, mm-hmm. that's like my one of my philosophies in life is like, man, if you're really clear on your vision on what you want, and it doesn't even matter if you take half-assed action in the wrong direction, if you just don't give up, like over time, most people quit. Most people just stop. It gets hard and they just don't do it anymore. But like, if you don't give up on the thing that you want and you actually keep putting the work in like success, as you've defined, it will become inevitable as long as you keep moving in a lot of ways, that's the story of massive monkeys. Like we just never quit. We never stopped keeping our feet moving. We never stopped evolving. We never stopped dancing. We never stopped producing events or stopped pushing the envelope, um, you know, and for forever. And so that's part of why I think a lot of people were like, yo, we, were, we love what you guys are doing and we want to come be a part of it. Random non hip hoppers, I mean, right. As well as the community too. So like, and it isn't because we're so great I Man, we screwed a lot of things up. You get a lot of things wrong, you know. Like, part of being a family is you make decisions really slowly, and you don't you don't always agree. Like, I didn't want us to go on America's Best Dance Crew, but I supported it when we went. You know, I. But like, we we all have these little disagreements, and sometimes it gets bitter. But we don't we don't let that out. We just uh, we just deal with it as a family and keep it moving. It's a, it's much easier to just run away and go be great on your own. It's way harder to like sustain a group of humans especially as you get older and you have kids it just gets more complicated right but yeah. we we all have this ideal and we never gave up on it and so you know i think there's a lesson there for both crews and individuals or people that are listening to this that are like like yo, know, last year was super tough but kind of doesn't matter if you're if you're playing the long game five ten fifteen years it, it's not going to matter mm-hmm. like you can keep it keep it moving and still win big yeah yeah for sure
0: yeah Definitely agree. Um, I guess the last, the last thing that I want to talk about. I guess it's kind of just building off of what we were just talking about. Is like, it just I guess business and and breaking. Like, yeah, you know, you know, it's kind of like, is that is that even possible? Can you even do it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's totally possible. And I think yeah. like if the person. And people that are world class at that right now uh, is Moy, mm. and Break Free, and, mm-hmm. and his whole squad over there. I mean, they're killing it. Yeah, they're profitable. They're growing. Mm. They're really excelling right now. You know, you can just see it. They're still they're one of the only people doing consistent event event production right now in the United States, and on a big level. Like, and it mm-hmm. keeps getting better and better and better. And you know, we're not just talking about events. We're talking about community driven programs. Competitive events, you know, they they're they've got their hands in so many things now, and they're expanding to different cities. So I think that they're the, at least in the United States, are one of the best models for doing doing breaking in business well. I think mm-hmm. another model of doing it really well is you know uh, MG and MK with Outbreak in Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know that, is dope, and there those guys are really really smart businessmen, but incredible hip-hop heads and dope dancers and they get it they get all the angles and that event just keeps getting better and better and better um you know the the same thing with like the polski flavor guys and clay you and the guys that are doing the the camp you know um all oh, right yeah So dope like great model makes money you know every you know every year it gets better too you know they 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 keep making it better so i think there's some good models out there um i don't think anybody's really like. Got I don't know how many b-boy millionaires there are that didn't just go get famous on YouTube, which is incredibly challenging and deserves to be applauded. Um, but I, I just use the million dollar mark as like an arbitrary, you know, measure of financial success, mm-hmm. um, because that's like a cliche for entrepreneurs. But you know, that substantial financial success in the breaking game. Still, still unlocking that one, I think. But there are people that are really doing a great job, more than making a living on it, um, and then you know, getting other people to make a living. So I think it's possible, hundred percent possible. Um, yeah. Could you yeah. take the same skills, ambition, and talent and apply it in any other market and get fi- ahead five times faster for sure? Like <laughs> one of the one of the when I feel like one of my unfair advantages as a businessman as an entrepreneur is like I'm a hip hop head and I understand that uh, we should all be students and humble ourselves. I understand that everything, everything has a foundation. And when you master the foundation, you can build on top of that incredibly well. I understand uh, how to be competitive without being an arrogant asshole. I understand how to turn that switch on and turn it off. I understand how to collaborate and get things done across crew lines. And all. I, I learned all this stuff from hip hop. I didn't learn that from business. So when I came to the business world, it was like, I felt, I felt, and I, how did I miss this? I understand what it, what it means to, to not dabble and go deep. I understand mastery. I understand what it's like to try to do the windmill like a, maybe like 10,000 times until I got it. I understand what it's like to like run the same footwork pattern until it feels just perfect. And I could never not do it perfect. I know what it's like to have like a stupid level of perfectionism in what I was trying to do as a dancer. you know. And when I started in business, I was like, i'm going to treat it the same way i'm going to study the history i'm going to understand the foundation i'm going to understand you know where previous people were successful and where they weren't i'm going to go nerd out at levels that like normal people that study business don't even care about because that's that was like the only way i knew how to do it because that was my experience with breaking right so i think there's so many lessons that we learn in in breaking especially you know if you if you've really gone in and done this for a decade that you can apply in your life and get a crazy unfair advantage. If, if you can sort of see the parallels, you know Um, also just like having confidence. Like I was an introvert when I moved to Seattle, you know, I was like lock myself in my room and download obscure seventies funk MP3s and don't bother me until I go to the garage, you know, like I was not an extrovert. Like, so, so like I learned how to like find myself in a dance. And once you find yourself in one place, if you're smart, you can find yourself in any place. You just say, there's like no room I can't walk in and not feel confident in because I'm just know that from being a b-boy and it's not it's not an arrogance it's like a certainty you know what I mean it's like a, it's like a really strong foundation of like self knowledge because I did that work through breaking but I, I sort of feel like a lot of b-boys don't see that bridge you know what I mean they don't see the bridge between all these wonderful mental models that we learn in breaking it just becomes unconscious competence it's like in a program they forgot about but if you if you remember like oh I did that and I, and like all the all the things all the cliches all the lessons all the things we learned coming up as as b boys and hip hoppers you know it's super applicable to the business world like crazy applicable if you yeah. let it so
0: yeah in like recent years one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot is just you know we do all these kind of crazy things as humans like you know we dance we make music we study the universe we do create religions we do whatever right and like in a lot of ways a lot of these things are like doing doing sort of the same thing they're 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 the same thing just being like kind of manifested in a different area yeah and like yeah. if people like you said if, if people can see those bridges and not see it like it's this one thing i know breaking i knew this it's like the stuff that you learn doing that or the stuff that you would learn doing other things if you want to focus on breaking like say you studied you did basketball or something like that there's stuff that you learned there that can be applied to here and there's stuff here that you learned that can be applied over there and, totally. and vice versa you know if you want to do no, business so much stuff that you can apply to that and yeah but I, you got to be aware of it i think you got to like Unlock that awareness of, hey, these things are
1: connected. (laughs) Yes. That's why I'm saying it. They are super connected. But I think you're hitting on something that we should talk about, which is most people sit around and and, and they think about themselves like, who am I? Mm. They don't ask, who am I becoming? Because they assume inside of who am I that they're fixed. Like, I am X. And that's all I'm ever going to be. That's like a fixed mindset. But if you have this, this mentality of like, who am I becoming? That's like a growth mindset. And that just that subtle change in that question changes the focus of what you think is possible for yourself. You can yeah, literally reinvent yeah. yourself all the time if you're focused on who you're becoming. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy powerful how you can uh, really just make it, choose your own identity and, and who you want to evolve into and then take directed action to evolve into that identity. That That's like... The secret to life you know so i I think but that the point that i'm trying to make is i meet a lot of b-boys and b-girls you know i was fortunate enough not so much in the last few years but for many years just get to go to every breaking event for free just as part of running the breaking tour and getting invited just as a promoter or whatever you know and and i get to meet people and i meet a lot of dancers they're like yo i'm just a b-boy or i'm just a b-girl or i'm just an x it's like okay like but that's you know, you're saying that not, not me or anybody else. Like what, what you should be saying is like, I'm a B-boy and I, I I'm becoming a whatever I want to become. Right. Does that make sense? So like, like just mm-hmm. that, that super small mindset shift from my, who I am to who I'm becoming, you know, it, it just allows you to even see that, oh, I now inside of becoming something else, you know, I, I can take these things that I've learned and bridge them over, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, and this is another like weird analogy that i like to use to describe these things is like you know i'm not a totally different person as an entrepreneur it's like a russian doll you know what a russian doll is you know yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. a little piece and you put all yeah, these yeah. you stack all these dolls on top it's like somewhere in my russian doll you know self is the guy that started breaking you know right, and right. The guy that produces events and the guy that you know uh, fell in love with hip-hop you know, and then there's also an entrepreneur and a husband and a father and all these other identities nested inside of there. Um, but I take those with me, but I'm always becoming something else. You know, mm-hmm. like you know, a few years ago, I stopped being a technology entrepreneur and I became a business coach because it's easier for me to be a dad and I like it. You know, so it's like <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm constantly focused on who I'm becoming. And I feel like, um, if people understood the power in that, then they could see these parallels a little, a little easier, you know, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden like who you are as a dancer, man, and that becomes incredibly powerful, mm-hmm. especially if you, man, you trained high level or you stuck around this game and really put yourself out there. That's like, how many people dedicate themselves to a thing for 10 years, especially during their adult life. Like it just, there's like, there's not a lot of incentives to do that unless it's like making money or a job or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah. This is not for money. This is craft. This is art. This is life. That's like really kind of accepting a calling just that mm-hmm. alone. Like there's mm-hmm. like a lot of power in that you can take that and apply it to something else. I and mean, it's crazy. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the, I forget where I read it
0: might've been in like, I think it's like Bruce Lee's book or something mm-hmm. like that. He's talking about, and it's a very like kind of, I don't know, Buddhist or Zen Buddhism, maybe specifically like way of thinking. It's he was talking about, there's, there's uh, talking about knowledge, and just you can know something or you can be knowing something Mm -hmm. and that little difference is kind of like what you're saying i am or i'm becoming or whatever it's like if you know something it's done it's finished and like it's not changing you know it whatever but if you're in the process of knowing something it's constantly evolving you're constantly learning new things you're you're constantly having to adapt to this new knowledge that you have
1: or whatever that kind of thing so no, that's powerful. And I think we, we're kind of waxing poetic about these <laughs> things, but in hip hop, we just say, each one teach one. Yeah. Always yeah. be a student. Yeah. That, that, that's our version of saying knowing versus yeah. I know. Yeah. I don't actually, I'll never fully know because I, there's always something else to learn. Like I thought yeah. I knew yeah. the history of hip hop for years. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there is another history beyond the history of the people that I learned from. Mm hmm there was another history that like predated Rocksteady that I was ignorant to, you know? And so I'm like, and even now, like the more people I talk to, the more I'm like, damn, there's, that's just so many layers to this, this Mm -hmm. thing are a part of that I I can't ever claim to be, uh, to know any of it. I'm just uh, constantly discovering it with the, you know, the more that I live it and the more that I talk to people that came before me.
0: Yeah. And I think part of it too, is just hip hop in general is still relatively young and and it's still developing and still kind of like becoming what it's what it's going to become or whatever and uh it's kind of funny like we have those sayings but i like each one teach one or whatever these these kind of things but i think it takes it takes a certain kind of way of thinking to really figure out what that actually means it's like yeah okay always be a student okay so i should just like keep learning new moves or something like that but if, <laughs> right. right but if yeah. you take it a step further it's like oh yeah it's not just about learning new moves it's about just learning in general it's a
1: whole mentality like yeah and, and you know you could see the people that really lean into that and embody it mm-hmm. you know like uh like icy ives from, mm-hmm. from alaska you know like i don't know him very well but i feel like I know him because I watch how he moves Mm -hmm. and I see what he embodies, you know, Mm -hmm. like he's an aggressive battler. He's incredibly talented. He keeps getting better, but I know that off the court, he's making moves to like learn an education. I know he's involved with like rock force and like sunning himself in in new uh, ways of thinking about the dance. And so, you know, uh, just watching him come up, I can tell, you know, on the one hand he has all of the arrogance and energy that one needs to be an incredibly great competitor. But off that he's like humble enough to like be learning all the time and taking notes and being perceptive and like humbling himself to like reach out and get that knowledge. And um, you can just tell in the way that he postures himself that, that that's the case. And you don't, I don't really, I'm not like keeping track of this guy's life but I can't remember seeing him, you know, running around flaming up people on the internet getting into like w- wars of words. Like he just doesn't move like that because like a, a person that understands what we're talking about has a certain way that they move as a certain, I'm not talking about their movement in the dance, just as the way that they move as if, as a man or a human. Right. And um, I don't know anything about him, but I have, I can see the way that he moves and I understand that he understands these things. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, There's yeah, a, yeah. and he's just one, you know, like mm-hmm. uh rock force is a good example, you know, because Polski's really, been been preaching these things specifically for a long time and you know if you look at other people in their crew like kareem you know you know i first saw kareem in like 99 and he was already crazy good but he was young he was like 14 or 13 or something and uh dude he's still as crazy accomplished as he is after how many generations of dancers has he outlasted he's still super humble like crazy humble but but you know you would never know that watching the way that he battles but off mm-hmm. the floor you know the guy's just he's a student and he's humble yeah so there's some yeah. real wisdom that comes out of that you actually end up learning more and i think having a better experience so you can see people that get it but you're right like i feel like you know like we say these things but i think they might just be lip service for a lot of people but you can see the ones that get it and the ones that don't you know
0: yeah yeah for sure um and i think that's why it's it's important for that's one of the reasons why i kind of enjoy this this thing that i'm doing you get to you get to dive a little bit deeper behind these things that everyone says or whatever yeah or you hear the story of this jam or whatever and you get to know a bit deeper and you just learn a bit
1: more and yeah i think these are important stories and important things to be told so for sure man no this has been great like i i'm so steeped in the, the the world of being a father and an entrepreneur these days that um You know it feels good to talk philosophical hip-hop breaking stuff again you know like very few I still after everything that we've all done you know i still feel like i don't i still don't have very many people in my life that really can appreciate what we're talking about right now and it's just it's like such a special lived experience um it's just dope. I don't know. I have a lot of reverence for breaking and hip hop at this point in my life, you know, and I'm, i talking about, them like, they're over, they're not like, you know, yeah, yeah. like I I'm still involved in a lot of events and talking to a lot of dancers and lo- love every, every direction that we're going in, in the scene. And I even still practice all the time, you know, for fun for me. Um, but like, but yo, it's just so rare. Like, like it's rare air. Like I can't go to my entrepreneur friends. Like, they they just don't get it, you know, like, oh, it's cool. You did this thing and you got YouTube video with like 89 million views or whatever, like, you know, whatever, but like, they don't get what what we're talking about here. Like even if they listen to this, they wouldn't get it. And I feel like we're doing a pretty good job of explaining it. So anyway, I just appreciate you having me, man. And being able to kick, kick these ideas around at this level of depth is super dope. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And
1: you know, it
0: goes both ways, like really, really appreciate You just taking the time to come on here and just talk about these things and and again one of the reasons why like i wanted to have you on here in particular is like you're one of the people that can talk about these things deeply you you can you know like maybe some people have these they have it in their head and they understand it in their head but it's it's not always easy to like express it articulate it but you're you're one of the people that's really good at at getting the point out there verbally and 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 having it in a way that people can understand it at least in my opinion yeah, yeah.
1: which is one of the reasons why i think you were you were always a good mc and host yeah like i think can... i think if i if i resurrect myself in breaking it'll be as a host for sure <laughs> yeah. I, could, I could do that for a long time um
0: but anyway, I think we'll we'll cut it there. Maybe we'll we'll pick this up again sometime in the future. But again, really Yeah, really man. Fun. I'd love
1: to come visit and uh when we can travel again. I really, yeah. really to really Osaka. Like yeah. real bad.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um thank you everybody for listening to this and thanks again, Joe, for yeah, just taking the time. Really appreciate it. Definitely, man. Thanks for having me, brother. All right, peace, everybody. Hey, hey. Thanks everyone for listening. If you like what you heard, please consider supporting on my Patreon page at www.patreon.com razyf 2 That's R-A-Z-Z-Y-F-2. This also goes towards supporting my YouTube channel where I make tutorials and discussion videos. And you can find that at www.youtube.com slash razzyf2, R-A-Z-Z-Y-F-2. Supporting on Patreon puts your name in the credits of the videos as a supporter, gives you access to a private Discord server where you can connect with fellow members, and gives you access to the full video versions of each podcast. I also offer private coaching there, so if that's something you're interested in, it's available. Once again, thank you for listening and look forward to the next one. Peace.